Well, thanks a lot, Conrad. I appreciate it. And it's always uh, good to go and see other areas of the world and what they're doing. But then again, there's no place like home. So it's uh, good to be back. And I'll be sharing next week a little bit more about my trip and what I saw. And I think it's just interesting to, to note what is going on around the world. Sometimes each of us feel like we're in an island. Um, and, you know, we know some things, but then we hear about uh, successes elsewhere and you know I basically found out that no matter where you go there is challenges and successes and that's just kind of the way farming is it's the way a lot of life is actually but uh, the reason we're here the reason we have this group is to learn uh, so we could don't have to make some of those mistakes and so forth so as indicated I've been uh, rolling since 1995 and uh, last uh, time, two weeks ago, when we talked about this, I, I kind of laid out a strong foundation of the history of rolling and so forth. And, and today, we're going to take that further and we're going to talk about some more of the specifics of, uh, of the, and the details and so forth of, of rolling. So uh, just a quick review. Last week, we covered the first three points that you see there in the, in the, on the screen. And uh, we're going to pick up with the timing of termination and this is going to be probably a, a large portion of my talk today because a lot of questions surrounding it but more so there's a lot of management decisions that need to be made and understanding of those management decisions how to uh, maximize it so um, also going to talk about the weed control potential because it's kind of always mentioned when you roll cover crops part of the reason is to use that biomass for weed control and I want to talk about the pros and cons of what to expect and and what to avoid and so forth and then the use of cover crop mixes and we're going to end up with uh, uh, understanding the dynamics of soil fertility plus a little bonus and this is kind of sprinkled throughout uh, the, the, having a planter that's capable of planting into these heavy covers because when we're rolling, generally we have a heavier cover, and rolling's one thing, and that's great, but do you have a planner that's capable of planning into that? Uh, that may be a topic by itself at some point, but we'll mention that a little bit. Well, let's start off with timing, and I want to just kind of focus in on cereal rye. Uh, there's, uh, of course, many different cover crops, but cereal rye has been what well, is the most popular cover crop that's planted and one of the most popular to be used is rolling. And when I, we say timing of termination, uh, I'm talking about here is when we roll it. And we're going to talk a little bit about herbicides. And I'm also going to be mentioning here uh, rolling without herbicides. And, you know, can that be done? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, agricultural press about that and kind of comes under the organic no-till and it certainly stirs up a lot of conversation and possibilities. I've heard, I've heard people say that the holy grail of organic farming would be organic no-till. And uh, I have found out in my personal uh, research here and personal experience that it is indeed possible to roll cover crops and not need herbicides. Uh, however, in order to do that consistently, that's very uh, difficult to do it where you want to maintain a 100% a, a no-till cropping system. 
So I think we need to step back a little bit and say, well, where can we utilize this in the whole weed control thing, and uh, especially in organic? Um, even those of us who are not organic, we all want to save money. We want to save herbicides. I think it's a, it's a high value, but where is the balance in that? So uh, it is possible, and I have stated this dozens of times at meetings, and, and no one has really challenged me on it. So it's basically what I have seen, that when conditions are right, no, uh, rolling cover crops with, and then not using herbicides can work about one out of five times. One out of five times, it'll be a disaster. And three out of five, it'll be kind of in the middle there. And I think that's an expectation that I need to put out there, that there, there are times when it can work and there are times where it just won't work. And there's some reasons for that, and we're going to talk about that. Um, I also want to talk to you about what's really getting popular now is putting rollers on um, on planters. And um, this is, uh, I had shown some pictures the last time, Dawn Biologic has really stepped up. There's some other companies now uh, doing this where you can actually plant and roll at the same time. So obviously here, the essential time or the, the timing of termination is essentially a planting. And when you, when you do this, uh, you, you just have to understand some of the dynamics of this. The primary reason for rolling on planters is simply to get the cover crop uh, rolled down so it doesn't shade out the crop when it grows. Uh, as far as other things like uh, weed control and, and different things like that, that may or may not be what someone's trying to emphasize. But um, this whole thing of, of that planning is definitely uh, something that is, uh, is really catching on, uh, I would have to say. So the question here is, do I spray before planting or after planting? And my answer is both can work. Um, and and it's, it, it really comes down to uh, maybe what are you most comfortable with. I would uh, say that surprisingly, spraying after planting has worked. Uh, you might think, well, the spray or the, the, the herbicide doesn't get down in the can plant canopy to, to, to kill it enough. And, but when we're working with, with cereal rye, which was I'm really emphasizing here, um, it seems to work both ways, even though you can't get as, as much herbicide on because what is actually underneath is shaded by the top layers of the cover crop, and I guess that's the reason why it seems to be working. I still would prefer plant uh, spraying before planting. The only exception would be is if it's really wet uh, and you want that you want to let your cover crop grow a little bit more. Which in this case here, if you look in the this picture, I know it's muted out a little bit, but um, this this cover crop's fairly young. And even, even with a path like you see here, it'll continue to grow. It'll struggle to grow, but it'll continue to grow. So if you want to add a few more, you know, maybe a half ton more biomass and then spray right before the corn comes up, you can do that. You can do that, but you got to be really cautious if, you know, if you're, if you're, it depends if you have traded corn or not. If that corn comes up and you're, you know, need to spray glyphosate on it and it's not Roundup ready, 
you could be in for trouble. So that's why this whole rolling thing is another level of management that you're going to have to understand. Now I wanted to say, talk a little bit about uh, pollen management, because if we wait and delay until pollen comes out, you could see in this picture what can happen. And this has been uh, a challenge. And most of the farmers who are rolling, they don't wait till pollen, till it's pollinating, unless you're organic. If you're organic, you have to wait till pollinating if you're not planning to use herbicides. And that's, I'm going to say that as an absolute fact. Uh, do not hope and wish that that roller is going to kill rye before it gets in the pollination stage. Um, so this is something you have to understand. But then there's a new challenge arises where the pollen can actually get in the radiator. And that's why if you look over there on the right, you can see my temperature gauge is rising. And this actual picture was taken at the same time, both these pictures. And, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you can't, you just can't continue. And, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a few strategies here, but this is something to be aware of when the, in, in the context of cereal rye, if it's pollinating, what could happen? I mean, last year, particularly in the northeastern United States, we were late. We had a cold May, and there's a lot of guys didn't didn't it's not they even planned it, but they didn't get around to rolling until the crop was pollinating. So you can see that it can get you know it can clog up radiators. Um, there is one um, it's more of an expensive fix here, but there's <clears throat> reversible fans that you can get uh, to put in tractors. There's not a cheap one, uh, but I'm just putting it out there that it, it is a possibility. Uh, however, some other things to do is in um, in my case, I don't have my rollers on my planter, so I can roll at a different time. If you have the option to go out in the morning when there's dew on the rye, if you have a morning with heavy dew, that there you can get you can get the makers rolled then, and there'll be less pollen. So it's just a kind of a small uh, idea, but nonetheless. If, you, if, if it is a factor, you can start four in the morning or whatever, and, and uh, that can help. So that's just a little, uh, little, little trick there, if you will, in doing that. Uh, another thing is switch out to using triticale, triticale, and, and, and maybe another species if this is a problem. Because triticale doesn't tend to pollinate as heavy as rye, and I believe, uh, I think last year Andy, uh, who's on this uh, webinar here, uh, explain to me um, the reasons why triticale doesn't have as much pollen. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I, I like triticale for this reason where I don't have to worry about pollen as much. And this picture was actually taken after quite a few acres of rolling, and you can see it's a lot different in the triticale compared to where it was in the, in the cereal rye. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Andy, if you could unmute yourself there and maybe comment on that a little bit, if you're available to do that, um, I, would, uh, I wouldn't mind hearing you explain it because you had a, a really good uh, explanation of that. So if you're able to unmute yourself or else maybe we can talk later. There you see, I see you're on. So go ahead, Andy, tell us about that. Yeah, Steve, um, talking to our, our triticalian rye breeder, uh, in Western Canada here, and he had said that rye is open pollinated, so it, it needs to pollinate 
from from a pollen source, unlike wheat, um, that is self-pollinated. And triticale, I guess, even though it's a, a hybrid between the two of them, uh, retained that uh, characteristic from the durum wheat when it was when it was bred. So that's why you don't see nearly the prolific pollen production off of triticale as you do with the rye. Great, thank you, Danny. I was hoping you could answer that because uh, I, I was uh, wasn't exactly sure. Remember the details, but I've seen it myself here in my farm, so it might be a consideration for some. Uh, one other thing uh, as we go along here is when we talk about rolling and rolling crimping, and these words are used interchangeably, we really want to roll. We want to crimp the cover crop, not to cut it. And this is a close-up of the blades on my roller, which is fairly unique. But notice that they're blunt. And if we cut, especially if the, if the cover crop is on the younger side before heading, we will stimulate secondary growth or tillering uh, coming out of the base of the plant, which will make it difficult to control later on and it does depend what crop you're using and so forth but I want us to understand this has to do with the timing here that you don't want to necessarily sharply cut or cut the stems now if you would have sprayed uh, several days before then this effect won't matter as much because the herbicide would have gotten into the roots it will kill the crown of the plant but if you're going to spray later or you know really shortly before you roll you don't want to cut you want to crimp so I think that's important to know another thing that is maybe one of the the most popular challenges frustrations failures of rolling is where the cover crop blows down before you plant through it before you roll it and this is one of the reasons why for my operation here, and I'll just advance my, my talk here a little bit by saying a lot of the rolling I do is, is before the 50 acres of pumpkins and squash that I have. So I'm not rolling until the June to the middle of June. And I like to use hairy vetch and uh, crimson clover and legumes that are mixed in, especially the vetch actually climbs up the triticale and will pull it down if you're not careful, especially when it rains. So this is just a picture here of uh, the, the, this field here. The rows would have to be planted across the stems, the thick stems there, which even with the best of the planters out there, it makes it a, a big challenge. So you, want, you don't want to let your cover crop blow down or lodge. Several factors here that, uh, that, that feed into this is the seeding rate of the cover crop. And this can get a little tricky, and somehow you'll have to experience this. And I know we have people listening from uh, various parts of the, of the world, and it, this can vary a little bit. But the seeding rate of the cover crop, uh, it's always best to err on the side of a lower seeding rate than a higher seeding rate until you get comfortable with the fertility you have and just your local growing conditions. I would say a bushel of rye uh, would be a really good starting place unless you're planting late and then two bushels fine. 
but I would go off of that. Now, if your fertility isn't that great, you don't have a history of manure and so forth, you might want to bump it up a little bit so you get up enough biomass there to help with weed control. If weed control is a high priority for you, um, so there's a lot of factors go into this whole lodging thing, and it's it's again I'm trying to uh, keep this from happening because it just makes it harder to plant later on. The other thing is factors the mix ratio of legumes. I had mentioned about I like to use hairy vetch. Hairy vetch has absolutely no standability, and it climbs up the, the rye or the triticale and it'll actually almost pull it down. And, you know, what's the probability of wind and rainstorms that to blow it down? I mean, most of us have that. So, um, so this is just something that, uh, to, to be aware of uh, when, you're, when you're going to roll. And uh, this picture of the... Uh, of the crimson clover here, I just took this picture literally an hour and a half ago in my field. Uh, as we, as some of us were discussing beforehand, we're expecting heavy rains tomorrow. This crimson clover is uh, intended to be before I'm going to plant some butternut squash. Not for three weeks yet, but this afternoon this is going to be rolled because I pretty sure, pretty much can assure you, straight. It's, it's not quite pure crimson clover, but it's going to go down. And I want the stems, the main stems of crimson clover, to be in a direction parallel to my planting. So uh, this is a management decision here. The day before our expected rain, and I'm not going to plant here for three weeks yet. Now, I know enough to know that he, this, this crimson clover is not fully flowered. It's about barely 50%, I would estimate this at 30 to 40% flowered right now, that it will not stop growing. I'm still going to get benefits over the next uh, three weeks, but my main stems are going to be lined up parallel to planting. Now, I can plant both ways, but it, it is nicer to plant with the roll, the way it was rolled, and because we have uh, guidance on our tractor, we're, we're able to roll the way we intend to plant so we can kind of lay things out that way. So this is just some of the management that you need to think about in, in your situation that, that you might have. Um, here we are uh, racing before a storm. I mean, that's literally, literally a storm's a couple miles away, cold uh, front coming through, and, and we're trying to get it down as fast as we can. This is a really nice stand here, Sugar Ryan, Harry Vetch, to, that we're going to be planting pumpkins into. So uh, we're, we're trying to beat the storm. Um, this uh, next picture is at night. This is literally at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, when I uh, was actually on a Sunday, and uh, they, they called for some storms coming in late Sunday night. And I saw on the radar, it was a couple hours away, and I had this beautiful stand of triticale and hairy vetch. If you look close there, you can see the triticale in there. And I started at 11 a.m. and until the rain hit, it was at 2 a.m. I got done not quite in time. It was actually starting to go down during the first uh, round of rain that came through. So this is just some of the management options that I've had to do in order to maximize this whole uh, thing rolling. And I just want to show you a picture here. Is at least with the roller I have, you can go pretty fast. This is the actual mile per hour there, 10.3 mile an hour. So it doesn't take too long to get her done uh, when, you, when you need to. 
Okay, I'm. Um, I think Conrad will pause here a little bit. Um, I have. Uh, I see that Jen asked here. Um, when did you plant the hairy vetch to terminate it in June? Most of the time, I plant the hairy vetch during the month of September. Here, I'm in southeastern Pennsylvania. First frost is uh, in the fall around October the 15th, which is uh, just a good key thing to keep in mind from whatever for wherever you're at. Uh, if we plant before the 1st of September, the vetch may grow enough that it'll actually winter kill. If it grows over 12 inches or so, it tends to winter kill in our area. No matter how winter hardy it is, it's because the plant gets too big and it smothers out itself. Um, I can also plant into October, and I have a hairy vetch that will be coming on the market here in probably two years. That's more winter hardy that can be planted into October something to stay tuned for. So to answer your question, planted during the month of September is, um, is what I uh, really like. So, um, Another question anyway, I had, Steve, um, if I could jump in here, and anyone else who, has a mo who, who wants to jump in can, um, but uh, just kind of going back to basics, you talked a good bit about crimping cereal grains and legumes. Um, what about some other species like annual ryegrass or a brassica like rapeseed that might have survived the winter? Can you roll those? Right. Well, uh, the first one's easy. Annual ryegrass is, uh, you're not going to kill annual ryegrass with rolling uh, unless it's uh, effectively dead already, fully mature. Uh, it just doesn't, uh, the, the crimping action does not control it mm -hmm. unless you if you have it on your ryegrass, I would strongly recommend spraying it several days before rolling, whatever whatever you're doing. As far as uh, something like uh, rapeseed, that's fairly easy to kill. Um, it's just with the nature of the plant, the way the stem is, it's, it definitely is very, fairly easy to kill when it starts flowering in the spring. I'm going to show some other ones coming up here um, and, and talk about them a little bit, but um, so that's just maybe a quick, uh, quick answer to that. Excellent. Okay, uh, moving on. I want to talk about no herbicide and herbicides. Uh, I mentioned that I grow some pumpkins. Uh, this is an older picture of mine here back when I first started rolling in the mid-90s. I wanted to see if I could grow anything without herbicides. And I... Actually, here's some pumpkins. Not bad. Not bad. There's a few weeds coming in there, but I would call this a success. Um, this next picture, again, an older picture, but um, definitely a failure. And the reason this was a failure is because the cover crop simply did not have enough biomass. It was too sparse, um, and it did not have enough biomass to, to control any weeds at all, as you can see. So in expectation here, if you're looking for weed control, you have to have sufficient biomass. Um, and I'm talking when it's rolled, you know, it's going to be an inch or two thick. And it depends how you measure that, but, uh, you know, a couple tons per acre if you want to measure it that way. So it does come back to how your uh, cover crop was established, when it was established, how well it grew. And, you know, it's, Part of agriculture is part of the weather. Some years it's going to be better than other, but to set yourself up for success, you want to uh, get a, get a, a good established in the in the fall in timely manner so it can grow up and time it to when you uh, need it in the spring. 
This next picture is when I used to grow uh, sweet corn. I also was able, for some of my later plantings in, in June, if you look close there, it's hairy vetch residue that has been rolled down and a fairly, a, a really strong kill. You can see there's some weeds starting to come. And actually, I did, I did spray this after this picture was taken because I knew those weeds could be a problem. Uh, now, I'm saying this here as a success. It's not 100% success, but you can see some of the potential. And um, definitely, this corn here, I literally used no nitrogen to grow this, and it was a good corn crop for sweet corn because the hairy vets provided it. So the combination here of rolling and using hairy vets, a nitrogen producer for corn, was, uh, was excellent. Um, question about spraying before or after, it's definitely something that it depends a little bit what you're doing. You can reduce rates when you spray it before if you want to. Uh, again, I, I used an old picture here because this is this is something that was originally got me interested in rolling. Remember, I said I started in 1995. How many of you remember what the price of glyphosate or Roundup was then? It was about 40 bucks a gallon. And so, with rolling, I was I was only using one third the amount and having success. So at that time. It was a, a very economical decision almost. Uh, now with the price being a lot cheaper, it's not quite as, uh, as dramatic. Um, and then just here, a follow-up picture of where it had been rolled before we planted pumpkins. And in this case, you could come back. You could actually, this is Harry Vetch and rye. You could roll that again. Um, what is interesting about this picture um, and, and again, an older picture, as you can tell, but I have found that when you have a mix of hairy vetch and rye, the, and it's rolled a little maybe before its time, uh, especially with the vetch, where the vetch will almost help smother and keep that rye down because the vetch seems to grow out a little bit. Now, in this case here, the reason this worked for me is I'm planting pumpkins in the first week of June. So I had time to do this. So again, it's my experience. A lot of you probably don't uh, plant that late, but I just want to show you some of the options. So you could spray it at this time. Uh, in this case here, it was rolled earlier to make sure it was rolled down parallel to the way I was going to plant. And then what I like about this is my, my vetch was able to grow a little bit more and give me a little bit more nitrogen. Now let's go and talk about um, some corn, and this, uh, this affects a lot more people. Uh, this is actually last year, and this is the field from the picture I showed at the beginning. Here we're planting corn, in this case, silage corn, uh, on 15-inch rows. And I, I knew I had a shot at this. You can see the, the residue is pretty heavy. And this was the end of May last year because we had a wet, cold May. But it, it warmed up nice then the last week of May. I think this is May the 28th. So here I'm planting 15-inch corn, and without I'm not going to spray it. I'm going to see what I can do. And I just wanted to mention here, too, looking closer, at this, part, at this time of the year, things are getting warmer. Notice there's no coulter, and the row cleaners are up. Uh, at this time of the year, I don't need to clean the row to warm it up. I don't need a colder, uh, particularly because I have um, 
uh, air airbags that help push the planter down, or some have hydraulic downforce now, but it really is able to use those double disc openers to open the seed slot very well. Uh, you want to use heavier blades to do this, 3.5 millimeter blades, and you want to keep your seed tube protectors uh, up to date because there's more pressure on it. But that colder literally messes up your seed trench a little bit. Uh, so I'm just saying that most of the veteran cover cropper no-tillers are taking their colders off, particularly if you're no longer using springs on the planter. If you're using springs on the planter, maybe that's not as recommended to take the colder off, but you can really get the down pressure on there and get the seed in the ground really nice. So again, this is kind of a specific situation, but I want to know, tell you the option. And then also planting a little deeper. Uh, again, we're at the end of our planting season here. The soil's warm. I'm planting two and a quarter inches, two and a half inches deep, so I can get really nice cut. Um, and by planting that deep, I can get the cover crop cut cleanly and there's no hairpinning. And again, like I said before, it's warm. The, 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 the corn comes right up. Um, this here is uh, right after uh, planting. You can't even see the rows here. And, and then as it started to grow, and you can see the corn has come up really uh, nicely here through that residue, uh, it dried all, it, it, it started, you know, it, it, it was, the cover crop was effectively dead. Now you can see in the background there's a little bit try to come up. You can see a little vetch plant struggling to grow there. But I have to tell you that I saw a few weeds coming, and uh, I don't like weedy fields. So I went in there and sprayed a post-emergence herbicide here about a week after this picture was taken. So, okay, it's not, you know, no herbicides at all, but I like to say a little herbicide goes a long way with rolling. Um, now, if you're early on, you may not be able to say much, but you have to understand the dynamics and the opportunity here. Um, wrapping up here, uh, I want to talk about cover crop mixes, and, and I've, uh, I've alluded to this. Uh, here's a picture of uh, mainly triticale and, and hairy vetch, how species can affect rolling decisions. As I indicated earlier, when you have a crop like hairy vetch mixed in, it can pull down quicker your your uh, like your cereal rye, and then you have to pay attention to if that's going to create a problem with planting. So it's just something to consider when you're thinking about these mixes. I want to quickly run through a scenario where I planted a, a mix of uh, several cover crop species here before corn. It's uh, heavily weighted on legumes. There's obviously some radishes there. <clears throat> Got some triticale and actually some annual ryegrass. And as we came through the winter then, the radishes died, the oats died, but um, then when things came to life in the spring and May came around, it was time to plant. Again, we're, we're talking now to the latter half of May, which is typically later for us, but we are finding out that the advantages we get with cover crops to grow them out more uh, is something to consider. Not that you plant all your corn acres to do this. I'm, you know, it just depends what you're comfortable with, but uh, more and more people are getting, uh, I, I guess I would say, stretching their planting window out over a longer period of time to maximize cover crops. So this is how it looked in the spring. 
I knew that there was some annual ryegrass in there that the roller would not kill it, so we sprayed it with a quart of glyphosate and um, a half pint of a 2,4-D type product just to 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 take take out, make sure that annual ryegrass is dead. Now, if you look here in this next picture coming up, they uh, several weeks later after planting. You can see, a, a, of course, we, we killed the cover crop. That was kind of easy to do. But I here decided I don't want to put any residual herbicides on. And uh, aside from around the edge of the field, this field is just up from the other field I talked about, which uh, is in the very top left-hand corner. You can kind of see a part of that field uh, where I needed to do some post-emergence uh, herbicides for that corn. I saw a few weeds on the outside of this, so I spray one round around it, and I left the center go that only had herbicides on when right before I rolled. So at harvest then, this is with no residuals, you, this next picture coming up here, uh, that you can see it was pretty good. I was pretty happy with that. There's a weed or two there, but that's no different than you'd usually see when using herbicides. So um, this is only a 10-acre field, and the outside uh, approximately um, two acres was sprayed and the inside looked like this. So using rolling in combination with these cover crops, we're able to reduce herbicides. Um, so I don't recommend that people either do field after field with this. You have to kind of learn as you go, but it's just something, uh, something you might want to consider. And uh, finally here, you can get some questions ready, we'll, we'll, have, we'll open it up for discussion, but finally here, understanding the dynamics of soil fertility. This is another thing that I see a lot of mistakes being made, a failure to understand, particularly the role of nitrogen and how it works. Um, in this case, if we're, if we're rolling down a, a majority of cereal rye, you might as well assume there's no nitrogen available at that moment doesn't mean there's not any nitrogen there. It's just not available because the cereal rye has pretty much taken it up. It'll give it back to you as it decays and everything, but not for a while, especially if it's this mature. If you have headed out cereal rye, don't even count on any of that nitrogen being available that year. It'll come back to you maybe next year incrementally. The microbes will eat some of it up. Um, but I would argue this is why I like to have uh, some, some legumes in the mix. So if we have a mixed cover crop, then you can assume that some nitrogen is available. And this is another field. I just took this picture this morning as well. Uh, this field will not get rolled today because we have some triticale in there. It's just starting to show some heads. I don't think the, this is going to go down on me, so I'm going to leave this grow. In the foreground is some Dorfessex rape, that little um, yellow-flowered plant there. Um, but I'm going to assume that there's some nitrogen there. When I say some, I'm going to throw out a number of 20 to 40 pounds. Um, this is going to be planted in the pumpkins for me in, a, in two weeks. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at right there. But here in this, uh, this last picture, this is pretty much straight hairy vetch, a little bit of crimson clover, pretty much straight hairy vetch. In this case here, we can assume there's a decent amount of nitrogen available like right away and throughout the growing season. So this is why I wanted to mention this, why it's important to understand the species you're working with 
and how soil fertility is. So if you're going to be rolling down like a cereal rod, you want to get nitrogen on there like right away. Uh, even some in the row if you can with the starter fertilizer. Put it up front. That's where it's going to need it. And sure, come back and side dress if that's what you do. Hairy batch, on the other hand, or more of a straight crimson clover, even a mix that has a, a, a over 50% legumes in it. You probably don't need any nitrogen on the planter or at planting. Then you'll have to fill in the balance later. Um, this field here that you're seeing, this, this type of a hairy batch, uh, and this again was taken this morning, uh, it's going to start blooming here soon. If you could maybe, maybe use very little nitrogen if you're going to plant corn in, in a field like that. Uh, maybe 50 pounds or so. I found that usually 50, 60 pounds um, of nitrogen is going to take you, give, give you, it's, it's worthwhile to give you another 20 bushels or so. But um, again, this is a good cover of vetch here. And, and you can see that it has, um, you know, the potential to, to really help out. Uh, I have a question, Steve. Um, are you bottling and selling your courage? Because some of those cover crop stands are just downright thick. I mean, what, <laughs> how do you, how do you, I mean, obviously you build up to this, but I mean, when, do you ever walk out to a field and say, this is too much, I can't roll this, I can't crimp this? Or, or are you at the point where, you know, whatever would be out there, you're willing to take on? Well, that's a great question, Conrad. Uh, I will say my biggest, shall I say, uh, maybe I don't want to say fear, but the biggest challenge is if it blows down the wrong way. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. There's actually a, a local uh, equipment dealer here that makes a straight-bladed colder with two I'm going to call them depth control narrow gauge wheels, we'll say, beside it that is designed to cut through um, blown down cereal rye. It was made for the Rodale Institute for no-till organic corn and pumpkins because you run into this sometimes. It's like you, you can't, It's every year is different. So um, I don't have them on my planter. Um, uh, that's why I'm pretty particular. That's why we're going to be rolling this afternoon. Mm -hmm. because I want to make sure that those things are straight. But as far as um, that, that's the only thing that I actually worry about. Uh, and the fact, too, is I generally don't go with straight to the rye. So a lot of the legumes are easier to cut anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, like I was saying, there's a few tricks to that. Planting a little deeper helps cut it better if that is the case. But that would be the only thing that comes to mind that I would, uh, that I would be worried about. Sure. So if it's standing and you're choosing the time to roll it down, you've you've got the confidence mm -hmm. to, to get in there and yeah. and kill it. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, another question here that I had uh, while we see if anybody else has one to jump in on is uh, you mentioned that if you're rolling down cereal rye that's headed out, that mm -hmm. almost none of that nitrogen, no, none of that residue is going to break down fast enough to benefit um, the corn crop. If Number one, did I understand that correctly? And number two, what would be a, a comparable time frame, let's say, if the, the cereal rye or the triticale was in boot stage? When would you expect that uh, nitrogen to be available for the corn crop? Okay, I answer first when, when it's headed out or pollinating, 
Um, there is a little variability to that, that that comes back to the biological maturity of the field. If, it, if, your, bio, if your biology in your field is, is, is very low, no, you're not going to get any nitrogen. Don't assume any nitrogen that year. If you have a highly biological field where um, the earthworms and all the little critters start breaking things down, um, you have enough moisture, that's another factor. Yeah, you could benefit some that year at the tail end of the season. Um, so that's my answer to the first question. As far as the, the boot stage is where the big swing takes, I have noticed that if I, let's just say, uh, before boot stage, sometimes I'm, I question the value of rolling at that point because the, the, the grain is so immature that when you spray it, it pretty much falls over soon anyway. There's no strength in the stems. And then they can be literally totally gone uh, in your field by the end of July, providing you have some rain, providing you have some biological activity there. So in that case, absolutely, you're going to get some of the nitrogen back. But not everything that you picked up. In other words, if you would do an analysis and take a biomass sample of how much nitrogen was actually in that rye, we'll say, at planting, and let's just say it said 40 pounds. Uh, you probably won't get 40 pounds back. The microbes are using some of it up. Um, that's the best way I can describe it anyway. Um, and I'm just throwing out some really general numbers here. Um, but that's why, again, why I like legumes, because it, it cycles back a lot quicker to uh, to your crop, but when this when boot stage is where uh, every I've already I've already noticed that from rolling pre-boot to boot stage, you can see a difference of maybe three weeks, four weeks till it disappears later that year. But after boot stage, it's gonna it's gonna last the whole year on top of your field in most conditions. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about grasses. It's a big swing at that boot stage when that, that head starts coming out where that nitrogen won't be available. See, that's not a bad thing. When we're, we're, we're trying to build up organic matter, we're trying to have, you know, using up moisture if that's what we need, um, trying to grow enough biomass to save moisture in the spring. So, again, not wanting to overwhelm people, but there's a lot of opportunity here, and it comes in management to be able to uh, figure some of this out.